There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Okay, so how many of you actually are going to watch the debate tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. I know that it'll be similar, similar to... The last debate and the debate before that. In other words, it just ain't uh, ain't on anybody's to-do list today. Not on mine, anyway. Now, I also must admit that last night, my husband was watching Donald Trump. I guess he was on Sean Hannity doing a town hall meeting. He always kind of does that the day before the debate. And... I didn't feel the need to watch that either, which is kind of interesting because usually that's an awfully fun way for me to get hyped up. But I get so tired of watching it, seeing one thing, and then waking up the next morning to like this entirely different take on it. You know, today the headline on Yahoo News was, could a second Donald Trump presidency slide into dictatorship? A sudden spate of dystopian warnings has got America talking about the possibility less than a year before the U.S. elections. Dark scenarios about what could happen if the twice impeached Republican former president wins in 2024 have appeared in the space of a few days in major U.S. media outlets. Now, let me list them as if I had to, as if you didn't know, right? The Washington Post, the New York Times and the Atlantic. Grim predictions also coming from Liz Cheney, who said we're sleepwalking into dictatorship and she's weighing a third part. You know, could they paint any more of a a bleak picture of Donald Trump? Of course not. And you know why they're doing it, right? Because it really looks uh, like he's going to win. <laughs> not just the nomination but the presidency, and they just, they can't. They can't stand it. They lose their minds. They scream at the sky. And the more they scream, the more confident people like me become. There was, of course, today the death of someone who I would say, now, first of all, he was 101 years old, so it's not an unexpected death. It's not, uh, you know, um, he went way before his time kind of death. But it's, it was an interesting, I had to think sort of critically about who Norman Lear was, because this is a man who I believe altered uh, sitcoms in America. You know, he was the man behind All in the Family, behind Sanford and Son. I can only speak for myself, but I'm not a big TV person, never was. But there's no way that you didn't, 
get touched by one or both of those series, I watched All in the Family. Now I laugh because I realize All in the Family couldn't exist in 2023 America. Are you kidding? But Norman Lear had guts. You had to have guts even then to write something so edgy and so clear, so obvious. Now, mind you, it was an exaggeration of the Archie character, no question about it. It was an exaggeration of the uh, Meathead character and Sally Struthers and, and, and you know, the, the amazing portrayal of Archie's wife. I mean, that, that these are classic sitcoms. And think of all the sitcoms that came from it. You had Maud, you had um, The Jeffersons. I mean, and those were great shows in and of themselves. Great writing. And that's what, uh, you know, Norman Lear was best at. He was a comedy writer. First time I ever heard of Norman Lear, he was being nominated for an Oscar for the screenplay for a movie which I had no intention of seeing at that age. I was really not that interested. I was in my late teens to see Divorce American Style. But, you know, Oscar nominees, Oscars were still a big deal back then. They actually meant something. And when I heard that it was based on a show that came out of Great Britain, I was a big fan of, you know, uh, British comedy at the time. So I said, oh, I'm going to watch this. And... The movie was great, and then along came All in the Family, about this family in Queens, New York, and it it was a hit with everybody. It didn't matter if you were left, right, in between. It was it was innovative. It was something nobody had ever seen before. We're talking about they talked about racism and abortion and homosexuality and the Vietnam War. And it wasn't your typical, you know, comedy. It wasn't a, you know, wasn't easy to digest, really. No subject was taboo. They had two episodes in 1977 that revolved around an attempted rape that, you know, Edith had, had, had almost been raped. And of course, it was like number one, and then there was uh, the number two comedy, which he was also responsible for, Sanford and Son. So on his passing today, I think it's important to say this guy was innovative, this guy was a groundbreaking person, and this was long before you know, anybody else was thinking about these things. I think about the show Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, he was the only guy who had the nerve to spoof a, a daytime soap operas and and just great shows, great shows. And so, you know, R.I.P. Norman Lear, you gave me a lot of laughs. As a matter of fact, there are times right now when I will watch some of those old episodes because you can find them on Nick. and a cut, Although it's very hard to find All in the Family episodes. Like, I guess they're just too out there, right? You know, you had Carol O'Connor, you had Gene Stapleton was uh, Edith. You had Rob Reiner, who's still an idiot, still a meathead, and Sally Struthers. And if that didn't carry a show, nothing would. They got like 22 Emmys, I read this morning somewhere. Four of them went to uh, Carol O'Connor. 
I mean, come on. The character of Archie, not easy to play and not easy to play that well. And then you had Maud and the Jeffersons and uh, they tried a couple of others, but they didn't really, really weren't successful. But what can I tell you? This was, uh, this was a guy who deserves to be remembered and remembered fondly. So that was uh, one of the news headlines that I woke up to this morning and said, I'm going to talk about that. Not that it has that much. It, it certainly does have a political aspect to it because it changed culture. It really did. You know, and he happened to have been a huge activist, not for my ideas, right? So for me to talk about him isn't because he was a great representative of the, the you know, my beliefs. It was the antithesis, and he was a citizen activist of the leftist side of the aisle, profoundly left. But you got to give props where they're deserved. And he deserved it. He died in his home in L.A., surrounded by his family, who according to uh, the statement that they put out on his uh, Instagram account, he was singing until the very end. <laughs> and I could see that, you know. But that's not the only news that I had to digest this morning. There was plenty of awful, awful news that I had to digest not the least of which, was I live in a country right now that is so darkly divided that you can't, you can't even talk to some people. You have to just stay away from certain members of your own community. The big news, of course, when I woke up, there were two big news stories that when I woke up that everybody was talking about. One, of course, was uh, you know Taylor Swift is the person of the year. Now, I don't care. I, I think the person of the year stuff is garbage anyway. I mean, you know, they just they just looking for more headlines, and so they grab headline grabbers, and she's certainly a headline grabber. I got nothing against Taylor Swift. I couldn't name a Taylor Swift song if my life depended on it. My producer laughs about it, and, you know, other than maybe something I've heard in a spin class, I'm not exactly, uh, you know, knowledgeable about Taylor Swift, but I suspect there's probably a lot of uh, awful stuff about her, you know? <laughs> Um, and now you're looking at this love story of her with this, uh, you know, NFL ball player, and you say to yourself, America's so starved for a hero, hero rather, that they would, they would decide that, you know, some pop artist, some, you know, singer, you know, got obviously very, very, um, has established like a cult surrounding her you know, the Swifties and the bracelets. I mean, I don't know much about this except I'm in talk radio, so I have to know when there's a phenomenon like a Taylor Swift. But to wake up and find out that she was named as the person of the year? Really? That's rough for me. I don't want to beat up on her because, I, like I said, I don't know that much about her. I don't care that much about her love stories and relationships uh, that make up the bulk of her songs from everything I read this morning, but... You know, Swift again. All, all Swift all night at nightclubs. The internet has nothing but footage of Swifties all mouthing the words or, you know, lip syncing and singing in unison. There's even a class at a college on Taylor Swift. So it's, uh, she's a big deal.
just wouldn't want to really think she's the person of the year. That kind of offends me in a way I can't articulate. But then, of course, the other big story was that Kevin McCarthy resigned from Congress. Now, I was talking about this Monday. You know, that's when the little rumor mill was out there, when he was floating all the trial balloons, you know. So today, everybody's talking about, well, what's next for Kevin McCarthy? So I'm a political radio host, and the expectation, I'm sure, when people turn on my radio show today is that I, too, am going to speculate about what Kevin McCarthy is going to do next. And let me spare you the agony of waiting to hear what I, what I think. I don't know, and I don't care. Don't. You know, good luck. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And that's it. That's all I got to say. Don't forget to download our app, the 850WFTL app. You could be listening to all of our podcasts. Like as soon as they, uh, you know, hit the airwaves, you can have them right on your phone or your laptop. And you can participate in all of our contests. We always have contests running. We have two ways for you to win. You can either win on your app, on your mobile app, or you can go to the website, 850WFTL. We also have a particular contest where you can get a $50 Burger King gift card and all you have to do is have the app and enter to win. Like, is that too deep for you? Probably not. So do it. Anyway, let me take a quick break and when I will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So there is a, um, a report of an active shooter at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas. And uh, they're responding to preliminary reports. Active shooter on the campus near Beam Hall appear to be multiple victims. Well, here we go. You know, we can all pretty much predict how this story will unfold over the next couple of days. So, you know, as soon as I know more, I will share that with you, but uh, so far I'm only just getting alerts about it. And again, uh, there's another story that I was trying to wrap my mind around today. It was on a website called themessenger.com that's apparently breaking a lot of news. And like it says in my promo with my son Derek, you know, I'm in, I like breaking news. I want to know before anybody else, but then I want to be able to verify it. And that's hard. You know, I said to, my producer just now, I asked Sharina, did you see anything about this active shooter? And she had to search for it. It wasn't really um, happening yet. So I'll bring you that as soon as I know. But there was this other story about six people who were shot uh, dead in an eight-hour period in Texas. And they haven't named the suspect or, or let me re reframe that. The papers haven't been told who it was, but somehow they're reporting that some dude was booked into jail on four counts of capital murder in the middle of last night. And then the story is that 
there were a series of shootings that lasted throughout all day yesterday and the evening yesterday in Austin and San Antonio. The police believe the killings are all related. They started in the morning and they went all the way into the evening. And it started apparently with a school resource officer who got shot in the morning. And then they found a couple shot in their home a few hours later. Then some bicyclist reported he got shot in South Austin, although they're saying he's, he's going to be okay, he's going to survive. Then around 6 o'clock, they got a report about a burglary at another home, and when they got there, the, whoever it was opened fire on the police, and the, he hit a, one of the officers multiple times, but didn't no, not life-threatening injuries, but then he just like drove away and they chased him, which in that ended in a, in a crash and then he was arrested. And they didn't name him. As I said before, they haven't told the press yet, or at least not in the stories that I had been reading, but some dude named Shane James, 34, was booked into jail on four counts of capital murder. And they apparently went into the house where the burglary call had come from, and they found two people in there dead. So that's six dead over a period of a couple of hours. And that's a scary story. You know, how does that go on for that long with reports that there's a shooting going on and uh, there not be a successful intervention somewhere along the way. Well, I'll tell you how it happens. Defund the police, right? This is the result, sorry, but it's true, of defunding the police in many, many places around this country, even conservative places like, uh, you know, Austin, Texas, although Austin and San Antonio happen to be probably the least conservative um, cities in Texas, but, you know, there are actual real issues that are arising all across America because of this ridiculous defund the police movement that started taking place. Now, I'm not a person who thinks that the police are never wrong and that they should never, you should never question the police. I believe the police are public servants and they have to come under close scrutiny because we hand them a gun and we tell them to go out and basically shoot bad guys. But that doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes. So I'm not one of these people who says, oh, the police, no matter what they do, it's right. No, um, they should be, they should be uh, monitored, and they are. But when you start taking money away from police departments all over this country, you can bet your bippy that there will start to be an increase in crime, and not just property crime. I mean, we focus on property crime uh, particularly in cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles, where it's ridiculous, the level of property crime now, because they decriminalized stealing. You know, you can go into a Walgreens or you can go into a Target, and if they don't have everything locked up, which now they basically do, and you are stealing stuff, they can't stop you. You know, the police might arrest you, but you can't be, you know, it's a misdemeanor, and it's not even an arrestable misdemeanor. It's like a, issuing you a, a, a ticket. I probably am more likely to 
get away with stealing something in San Francisco than I am with a moving violation. You know, don't eat, don't eat the stop sign, but if you need, uh, you know, if you want, want a lamp and don't feel like paying for it, just go to Target. I mean, the world is upside down and sideways. I told everybody I just finished the book Facing the Beast by Natalie Wolf, Naomi Wolf, rather, and I'm going to book an interview with her for next week. She'd been on before. But what was so fascinating about the book was here's a, a liberal icon who's now questioning all the things that she used to blindly believe. And what, you know, the conclusion that she came up with, which is accurate, and I've been saying for like 33 years on the air, is there's evil in the world. And if you don't want to confront evil, then evil wins at least half the battles and maybe more because they don't care how they get the win. You know, they're not obeying the rules. They don't care about, you know, a power greater than themselves that may someday call them to account in front of the bar of justice. No, they don't believe any of that stuff. So evil, we can't keep excusing evil and saying like it's something else. It's not evil. You know, it's the result of poverty. Come on, guys. I know lots of poor people who never committed an evil act in their life. I know lots of poor people who uh, took themselves out of poverty through education. You know, you can think about guys like Ben Carson. There's lots of people. I can point to more people than I would want to spend the hour who more deserve to be on the cover of Time magazine as the person of the year than Taylor Swift. But, the you know... I'm not going to go there. I told myself I wasn't, so I'm not. Anyway, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So uh, I know I, I really I really don't want to talk about Kevin McCarthy, but you kind of have to at least say, what effect is this going to have, number one, on the upcoming election, and number two, on a... Congress that doesn't have a substantial majority. He said he's going to keep fighting for the country. By the way, it was like the longest resignation speech I've ever seen. He's not the speaker anymore. And basically what he was saying is I'm about to create the biggest headache for the Republican Party that I possibly could because that's how angry I am about what happened to me. And I can see that. I mean... Eight people got him bounced out of the speaker's house. But it tells you something about the measure of any man. If you can't be the kingpin, but you could still be useful, you know, if what you went there for was to stand up for the constituents in your, you know, state, and in his case in California, I mean, they don't have a lot of conservatives representing them in California. So he's one of very few people. I think it's Daryl Issa. Maybe there's a total of six conservatives or six Republicans from California, and it's got a lot of representation in Congress. This guy was there for almost 20 years. You know, I, I tell the story all the time about I met him in 2008. I wasn't impressed then. I remain unimpressed by him. But his job, really, he, he still had the same job he got elected to do. He's a congressman from California. He wasn't elected to be the speaker. That just sort of happened. 
probably shouldn't have happened when you think about it, but it did. And so they took that away from him. And he says, okay, I'm out of here. So now with him out and he resigned, I mean, it's not like he, he said, I'm not going to run again. He resigned. And he wrote an op-ed apparently in the Wall Street Journal. I don't subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to even read it. It'll be reprinted in a number of other places. But you know, the, this is like blowing your own horn kind of stuff. Oh, it seems it's already been reprinted in a couple of different places. And he says, I'm an optimist. How could I not be? I'm the son of a firefighter. For 17 years, I was close. For 17 years, I've served in the same congressional seat, the same office in which I was once denied an inter internship, only in America. And then he goes on to, you know, pat himself on the back. I got this people elected. I did this, I did that. But basically, I'm out of here. You know, thank you very much. I did all the things I was supposed to do and you guys didn't appreciate me, so now I'm going. So now you have George Santos, who was bounced, kicked out of the Congress. There's going to be a special election in, what, February? And now you have the really one of the highest-ranking congressmen and definitely one of the few high-ranking congressman from California in the House who says at the end of the year, I'm out of here. I know my work is only getting started. So obviously, he has a plan. And that's all I heard this morning was everybody, you know, and their opinion about what his plan is. And I have to ask this question, you know, and it's rhetorical. You don't have to send me an email. Just ask yourself this question. What do you think you're going to do next? I mean, obviously, you'd be eligible for a cabinet position if Donald Trump gets elected. And that's a shot. You know, I guess that's a possible job. I'm sure that was half of the people were voting that that was what he was going to do. But really, you know, you've been the Speaker of the House. The only thing that's left for him He's not going to get elected for, you know, a governor. He's just not. He's not uh, liberal enough for California. You know, you could be a liberal Republican like uh, Schwarzenegger and get elected in California where you have a lot of media celebrity types who will support you. But Kevin McCarthy doesn't have that crowd. So he can't run for governor, which will be, an open seat. You know, I think Gavin Newsom is done, right? So he can't run for governor. The, there's really very few things except for a cabinet position that this guy can do, at least in California. Now, if he relocated, he keeps saying he loves California, so I don't think his intention is to move. And I'm sure... He can make a lot more money in the private sector than he's making in Congress, even though to most of us, you know, $200,000 a year, a year job is not something to sneeze at. But this one comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of pain and suffering. I mean, you got to you got to get in an elevator with uh, Nancy Pelosi. So uh, I, I get it. If he wants to go into the private sector, 
I'm sure that there are plenty of companies that would pay him to represent them as a lobbyist. So if that's his intention, then what little shred of respect I had from him, and it really wasn't much, disappears. And that's why I'm not that interested. Now, if he ends up with a cabinet position, he won't last. You know, because if it's a Trump administration, either you do things Trump's way or you got to hit the highway. And so this guy shows every bit of evidence is that he wants to do things his way. And he's a big Trump supporter. There's no question about it. He has. He's worked with uh, the president. But I just don't see him in that position, you know. What is this secretary of something? What you know, uh, secretary of transportation? By the way, has anyone heard anything about Pete Buttigieg in the last like you know, three years, other than bad stuff? You know what a abysmal failure. But I predicted that this guy couldn't fix the potholes in some little town in Indiana. But somehow everybody thought he was presidential material. He was literally one of the people vying for the nomination. And I still think about that. Like, you know, he was on a stage with at least Kamala Harris. You could say she was a senator. She was, uh, you know, definitely had all of the right special attributes. She's a woman, she's black, and she's this, she's that, you know. So she was up on that stage. And the rest of that field had a lot of impressive qualifications. But Pete Buttigieg? When everybody started talking about Pete Buttigieg, I've been going like, what? Who, who is this guy? And what do you really think he can do? This guy took a longer maternity leave than any woman I know. Apparently, it's much harder to mother a baby when you're a man. I'm just saying. And then every major problem that we had in the first two years of the Biden administration kind of had a transportation aspect to them and he didn't do anything notable or important or commendable. You know, we had supply chain issues. We had clogging at the ports. You know, all the stuff that went on and Pete Buttigieg, really? Like, did anybody actually believe he was gonna be up to the task of one of the least important cabinet positions I can think of? No offense. But, you know, Department of the Transportation, <laughs> we've been operating without, with only a titular head in Pete Buttigieg, and it's pretty much the same as it always is, right? So well, you're going to make Kevin McCarthy the, you know, the, the <laughs> cabinet secretary of the Transportation Department? Well, at least compared to Buttigieg, he would probably look okay. But I heard... Somebody this morning, the first thing I heard, which was when I turned off the radio immediately, was I heard somebody suggesting that he could be the Secretary of State. And I, all I could do was roll my eyes. What? 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 You know, first and foremost, we're talking the, the last Secretary of State that I had any respect for was Mike Pompeo. Is anybody seriously suggesting that Kevin McCarthy is of the same caliber as uh, Mike Pompeo? Because I don't see it. I think of Condoleezza Rice. You, anybody think he's that kind of caliber? No. He's um, more like Anthony Blinken. 
Oh, that is our current Secretary of State. Right. So I don't know. You know, all of his, uh, he had this video message where he touted all of his achievements, all of his accomplishments in the Congress. And I'm thinking to myself, like, really? Nobody's going to remember you that. Nobody. He's the whip, right? Now? And, and, you know, <laughs> all he could say was, we kept our government operating and our troops paid while wars broke out around the world. Okay. But, yeah, what's your particular skill set? Where are you going? Now, he says, it's time to pursue my passion in a new arena. While I'll be departing the house at the end of the year, I will never, ever give up fighting for this country that I love so much. I can see it all now. I've heard this speech before. But now... In 2024, the Republicans will have a one-seat majority in the House of Representatives. So is that a majority? You better hope nobody dies. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs, Lars Larson, and then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino, and then, of course, I come back. So I still have one segment left today. Please stay right where you are. So uh, RFK Jr. says that there was nothing wrong with him being on Epstein's jet with his wife and that he never went to the island. What do they call it? Pedophile Island something. I don't know. Uh, Lolita Express was the was the jet. So he's running for president, and he has to defend his trips on the pedophile's infamous jet to uh, to the public. And so now he wants everybody who was on that jet. He wants a log so that everybody's out there. And let me tell you why. I, and I don't blame him if they're going to, you know, drag him through the mud because everybody running for the presidency, for the most part, was on that jet. I mean, except maybe Nikki Haley and I don't know about Ron DeSantis, but I doubt he was on that jet. But Donald Trump was on that jet. We all know that. And even if Joe Biden wasn't on that jet, Hunter was, you know, and Hunter is so inextricably tied right now that you can't, you know, it's like he's running. So we'll see. Um, you know, again, as I said before, every bit of news that I was reading today it was so clearly slanted and biased. Not that it isn't usually, but today seemed to be worse. Worse than usual. And so I kind of had to close my laptop and think about Norman Lear comedies, as I'm sure many of you probably did. When you heard that news, there was something you could actually, uh, on some level, relate to, right? Like, can you relate to flying around on jets to islands where young girls are being raped by powerful men? It sounds like a novel, right? It sounds like a terrible story, but it doesn't sound like something that would happen in your life. On the other hand, there were scenes in some of those shows that were definitely 
like people's lives. Not necessarily racists, but people who just uh, lived in a bubble and didn't understand how fast the world was changing. So, listen, that's why when I didn't watch the this uh, show last night, the town hall meeting, but when I hear things like, he's uh, angry, he's he may be more disciplined, but he is definitely going to get vengeance. You know, they, they make Donald Trump sound like, you know, Megatron or whatever the bad guy is in the Transformers. I can't remember what the bad Decepticon, whatever. That's who they want you to believe Donald Trump is, that he's got an enemies list. And he, when he gets in power, he's going to stay in power because even though he, you're only supposed to serve two terms, he's not leaving at the end of this next term. And you have to ask, yeah, um, why? What evidence do they have of that? That he would abuse power or even seek retribution? He didn't bow out quietly, that's for sure. But he didn't, you know, he didn't do anything that they accuse him of doing. Look, we want him to close the border. He said he's going to do that. We want to be energy independent. He says there's going to be more drilling than ever. And he says, and once I've accomplished that, then everything will be all right. On day one, that's what he wants to do. So, okay, I don't think you're going to get much of an argument from anybody. And then when you hear Joe Biden say that the only reason he's running is because Donald Trump is running, he said, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running, but we cannot let him win. As though this 81-year-old, you know, blunderpuss is the best they got to put up against someone that they claim is fatally flawed and potentially a dictator, you know, and uses language that people don't like. It's just not civil. You can't call people vermin. Well, you can if you're Hillary Clinton, but you can if you're Donald Trump. You know, you, you, you better not say deplorable unless you have a D after your name. And then, it, you know, the headline in, I think it was the Washington Post this morning, was uh, a Trump dictatorship is increasingly inevitable. We should stop pretending. I'm not pretending. A Trump presidency is probably inevitable. I agree. But it's not a dictatorship. And when he compared him to Julius Caesar, the Roman emperor, and he says, neither the Constitution nor the Supreme Court could prevent Trump from being president for life if he wanted. Well, here's the good news, Mr. Kagan, Robert Kagan. Trump is 77 years old. At the end of the term, he'll be in his 80s. Stop worrying. I don't think he's going to have the strength at that point. Look how presidents age. When you look at presidents at the end of a first four-year term, you go, oh, my God, look how old Obama looks. Look how old Bush looks. Look how old everybody looks, except Donald Trump. He didn't look old, but he will be. A second term that'll unleash a darker President Trump. They hated him. How much darker can he get? I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. 
So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. God bless you. God bless Israel. And God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.